Step number eight of Eight Steps to a New You. Glad you joined us today. This is Pastor Greg, and this is Life 66. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 to 12 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is step eight of Eight Steps to a New You, and this is a tough step. It's really a hard one to understand, and uh, it's really a hard one to like. I don't like this step. I don't want to talk about persecution. I don't want to talk about people being uh, angry at me or violent against me or insulting me or um, uh, you know, just saying false things about me, slandering me. Uh, but this passage says, if we're blessed because of, or if we're persecuted because of righteousness, then ours is the kingdom of heaven. So we got to unpack this. We got to make sure we understand, because this is the ultimate step. We started out, remember, with blessed are the poor in spirit. And we understand that we've got nothing in and of ourselves that truly merits any kind of, of God's grace and his love. But yet he loves us anyway, and he gives us grace to us anyway. And that blessed are those who mourn, then we moved on to blessed are those who meek, and then blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the pure in heart, the merciful, the peacemakers, and then we end up here at the persecuted. How does, how does a, a faith, how does a belief in God, in Jesus Christ, when, and, and following that, that as a result of following Christ, there's nothing but love, giving, kindness, mercy, peace. How does that end up with persecution? What is it about our world and what is it about the state of people's minds that that those loving things, those good and kind things would end up in persecution? Well, that should give us a clue that there's an absolute light and dark battle going on in the spirit world. There's absolute God versus Satan. And look at Jesus's life. What about him? He came to this earth He did nothing but love people, healed people, raised people from the dead, showed people that they have hope, was kind to the poor and the needy, was gracious and loving to the outcasts. And what did that get him? Got him hung on a cross. How does that make sense? Well, because you see, there is a real darkness. There is a real evil, and it it exists even today. This is difficult for us to identify. It's difficult for me because I've really, truly never been persecuted. Yeah, I've had people say some, you know, stupid things and, you know, some, you know, joking things or even not joking things, but, you know, kind of rude. Uh, But I've never truly been persecuted. I mean, there are places around the world, even today in 2020, where Christians are being killed for their faith, where churches are being burned, pastors are being martyred. People are truly having their lives taken from them and having their lives destroyed for one simple reason, that they follow Jesus Christ. And you know, I don't know if I'll ever face that kind of thing. Maybe we will. Maybe in this country, maybe we won't. It seems like it's ramping up in 2020 as the the backwards thinking of right is, is good, or rather right is bad and bad is right, just doesn't seem to make sense. But uh, for Christians, this is a very real thing. And if we do find ourselves persecuted, 
Jesus said that we ought to feel blessed, that we ought to feel the joy inside that we were so much different than the darkness that the darkness wanted to shut us up, the darkness wanted to persecute us. Now, this isn't a, you know, adversarial, you know, kind of a, a thing where we're trying to stir up trouble, where we're so glad that we ticked people off that now they're, they're uh, resisting us. No, this is based in love. And Jesus, when he hung on the cross, made those magnificent statements, blessed are those, or rather, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And he loved them, even though they were putting him on the cross. Why would Christians who are trying to follow Jesus and, and love others be persecuted? Well, let me give you some reasons. Number one, because the ways of Jesus are confusing to those who don't know him. John chapter 1, verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. To understand persecution, you have to understand that darkness doesn't understand the light. And that because we are light, because we serve Jesus, and, and that that is so confusing for people. When you look at meekness, it looks like weakness to the world, and really it's not. It's, it's God's strength under control. When you look at someone who's pure in heart that will live with no compromise, sometimes that, that, that contradicts and um, reveals those who will compromise. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's that, that righteousness is your only motivator. When you're merciful and you won't tolerate cruelty or unfairness or injustice, when you're a peacemaker and you, you won't fight for your, right, your rights, but you'll prefer others' rights and you will fight for others' rights, that, that those things don't make sense to the world. And when things don't make sense to people, it scares them. When it, things scare them, they want to destroy them. And that's really what's happening in our world today, and it's happened since the very beginning. The Pharisees in the Bible, when Jesus came on the scene, he was so different from them, and they were the righteous, you know, spiritual people. But and Jesus showed them by his lifestyle just how unrighteous and evil they were, and their only response to that was to shut him up and to kill him. We live in a very confusing world where the darkness truly doesn't understand the light. Number two is because the ways of Jesus are convicting to those who don't know him. First, they're confusing, but the ways of Jesus are also convicting. John 3.20 says, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear his deeds will be exposed. If you're in the dark and somebody shines light, it exposes you. Maybe you had you know, something on you, uh, you know, dirt or some kind of stain. If you're in the dark, the stain's not revealed and it doesn't bother you. But when light is shined on that and now the stain is revealed, now it's bothersome to you. See, it's easier to stay in the darkness and hide your stain than it is to come into the light and have it to be revealed and possibly even cleansed. See, people don't want to change because they don't want to feel the, 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 the guilt and the pain of what they've done or what they've believed. Again, Jesus and the Pharisees were the example. He came into to their life and he shined the bright light of righteousness on their faulty unrighteousness. And it just revealed them and they were convicted to the core. That's why Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis, after they sinned, they ran and hid and, and they clothed themselves with, with, uh, with fig leaves or, you know, clothed themselves to hide their nakedness. And Jesus came, or God came and shone their nakedness for what it was. Now, of course, he covered them. And see, that's the whole point, that those that are in darkness need to come into the light so Jesus can cover them with real covering. 
but we don't want to come out into the light because it's so shameful. And people would rather turn off the light than come into it. People say some gross things and some cruel things to just to hurt those who, who bring the light. I remember a few years ago when Pastor Rick Warren's son committed suicide and people were saying all kinds of venomous, vile things about his life and about his character and saying, oh, this proves that he's not really a good father or a good pastor because why would his son take his own life? Just these, just gross stuff. And it was all in an attempt just to squelch the light. See, there's a way to live. And the people in the darkness say, you're not going to tell me how to live. You're not going to tell me what I should believe or what I should think. And in actuality, we're not telling you how to believe or think at all. We're just saying what's right. If you want to come into the light, come into the light. If you don't, don't. But the problem is they don't want to come into the light and they want to shut the light off at the same time. Let me give you seven principles of persecution that might help us understand this whole thing. Number one, persecution for the Christian is inevitable. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be beaten. It doesn't mean you're going to have your life threatened. What it does mean is there will be opposition, that there will be those who will not like you, who will resist you. And that's simply because you're a Christian. In this world where disagreement is no longer allowed, if you disagree, it's seen as hate. And I've had you know, talks with people, and I've chosen a different side than them, and they'll say, don't hate, don't hate. I mean, don't be stupid. I'm not hating. I just disagree with you. I still like you. I still enjoy our conversation. But it's ridiculous to call someone a hater when all they're doing is disagreeing. But that's where we are today. That disagreement is seen as hate, and hate wants to shut down anything that that is not the thing that they believe in. The cancel culture of today is that way, that anything that's not agreed upon has to be canceled because we have to dispose of and destroy anything that is not what I think is right and what I think is, is uh, tolerable. You would think that our society, with all of its tolerance, would be really accepting of the Christian life because, after all, everybody gets to think what they want, right? Everybody gets to be their own person and be unique and be independent, except for this faith This truth of Jesus Christ reveals that all the other belief systems are false and faulty. And because of that, instead of coming in to believe it, there's the attempt to destroy it. I remember when Chick-fil-A and the issues, they've had lots of issues over the years, but in the last few years, um, uh, uh, they've been persecuted for this reason, that they simply are closed on Sundays. They don't stay open. That, that, that's the Lord's Day, the founder, uh, Sam Cathy, is a believer, and he doesn't believe in having his uh, restaurant open on Sundays and that his uh, employees should have the freedom to go to church and worship on Sundays. And he also made the statement that he does not believe in homosexual marriage. Well, people went nuts, and they went crazy, and there was a whole big effort to, um, to not patronize Chick-fil-A's and to... Uh, um, you know, just not go and to try to you know, cause them to have financial problems. Well, problem with that is, is that uh, people came to Chick-fil-A by the, by the hundreds and thousands and thousands because, you see, the truth always outweighs the false. Sam Cathy has taken in over 200 foster children, provided 820 college scholarships, millions of dollars given to the hurting and needy, written books to help uh, others find their way, and yet persecuted. People boycotted the stores. But people didn't listen. They came out in droves. Because truth always overcomes the darkness. 
See, everyone who attempts to live a godly life will be persecuted in one way or another. Number two, it is Jesus who's being persecuted in you, not you. Here's what Jesus said, John 15, 18 to 20. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. That is why they hate you. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. See, it's not about you, really. It's about Jesus. It's not about really even the things of this world. It's about the satanic powers of darkness and the glorious powers of light, which, by the way, are not equal. Satan is not an equal badness to Christ's goodness. Satan is a created being, a, a, a fallen angel, and Jesus, with the blink of his, of his eye, will send him to the abyss one day in the future. So don't get this idea that there's this equal tug of war. No, God is supreme, and he will always be supreme. Well, see, you're not the target. Jesus is the target. Remember back when the Apostle Paul, when he was still called Saul, was, was saved, and when Jesus knocked him off his horse with that bright, shining light in uh, Acts chapter 9, he said to Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? Now remember, Saul was putting to death Christians. Jesus was already uh, crucified, resurrected, and ascended back to the Father. But Jesus said, no, you're persecuting me. Because see, it's about the Jesus, not about you specifically. I remember when Tim Tebow was, was uh, you know, a big name a few years back. Now, he was a great quarterback in college, but he wasn't a great quarterback in the, in the NFL. He really wasn't even very good at all and didn't last very long in the league. Well, why was it such a big deal? Why was his name splashed everywhere when he wasn't even that great a quarterback? Well, because he chose to pray uh, before and after games. He chose to give God glory for his life. He chose to live a life that was clean and virtuous. And people hated that about him. Why? Because it made them feel bad about themselves. Who was he to tell us how to live? He didn't tell you how to live. He was just telling you how he lived. If that bothers you, that's on you. Because the light always, always reveals the darkness. And it's Jesus who's the issue here. Number three, persecution is proof that you belong to Jesus. Here's what Jesus said in John 15, 19. If you belong to the world, the world would love you. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. See, everybody who agrees with the world, the world loves them. All the celebrities and politicians who are all about... Um, you know, denounce the uh, religion, squelch the things uh, of the Bible, the Bible's foolishness, on and on and on and on. They go together like hand and glove. They're peas in a pod. They love each other. But as soon as you step outside of that, you're hated. You're vilified. Why? Because you follow Christ and there is light and dark and it is a real battle. You see, you can't serve two masters. You got to serve one or the other. And when you pick a side, the other side's going to be mad. It's important to pick the right side. There's one way that leads to death and one way that leads to life. Number four, when all people speak well of you, you are in danger of compromise. Luke 6.26 says, Woe to you when all speak, men speak well of you. You see, when you stand up for Christ and people resist you, that's a good thing. And, it, and it, we got to make sure we understand this. You don't stand up for Christ just to be a pain. You say, I'd probably persecute some of some Christians who are just being stupid. And all they're trying to do is create a conflict. They're not loving just to be loving. They're doing things so they can get a rise out of people and maybe even you know, start issues. That's not the point. Jesus didn't come on the scene to start issues. By his very nature, he started issues. Back in 2009, in the uh, Miss America uh, competition, the California winner 
uh, Carrie Prejean, who's a, a born-again Christian, uh, she was stripped of her uh, Miss California crown because she said she didn't believe in gay marriage. Now, doesn't she get to have her own opinion? Well, apparently not. That if you have an opinion different than what the darkness says you should have, then there's going to be persecution. Well, good for her that she stood for what she believed in and um, she received persecution for that. And this happens every day. There's so many you know, current um, events like this that are occurring just about every day. Just read the papers. You can find a Christian saying something and then uh, other people coming against them. The, maybe one of the most recent ones was the Goya uh, company when they stood up and provided um, some support for the Republican side. And without realizing that they also had supported the Democratic side back in President Obama's uh, tenure, but uh, supporting the conservative side this time, uh, people went crazy. And they wanted to cancel them and boycott them. And it's just this whole same idea of when you stand for something, those who do not stand for that will come against you. Number five, we delight in persecution that comes from righteousness. The reason that, or rather, the, the, the persecution that comes from righteousness is the good thing, not the pers- persecution that comes from just being a jerk. Jesus or, uh, Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, but even, if, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. If you suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Now, I got to be clear here that a lot of people get persecuted for different causes. It's not just Christians that get persecuted. That there's this whole thing of if you're different than us, we'll persecute you. And that's happened since the beginning of man. But Jesus said that when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, that that's a virtue. And again, I already said it once, I'll say it again. There's a lot of Christian jerks out there that are doing stupid things, that are doing rude things, that are doing in-your-face things just for the purpose of being in-your-face, and they're really no different than any other uh, aggressive, power-hungry uh, person. Again, I would, I would want that person to shut up because they're being a jerk. That's not the point. Jesus was never a jerk. He never came on the scene and did things to get a rise out of people. Just by the very nature that he was light, it made people resist him. Remember, blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are the troublemakers. And then sometimes there's way too many Christian troublemakers. Number six, the persecuted don't supply, or, or persecuted don't simply endure, but they rejoice. In uh, Acts chapter 5, 41, it says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. Do we avoid persecution at all costs? Do we shrink back and not stand for what is right? at all costs? Do we avoid the pain and deny Christ? We think God has abandoned us because we're being treated unfairly. We think that God is not being fair to us when we're suffering. No, he already told you you'd suffer. He already told you there'd be issues. Rejoice instead and be glad. On this one right here, I've got to speak on this whole church shutdown, especially here in California where our churches still aren't open, and it's you know the end of September. Uh, many churches are crying persecution, persecution. Can I just tell you, that ain't persecution. Nobody's telling us we can't worship Jesus. Nobody's telling us we can't um, have a church. Nobody's telling us that we can't speak the Bible. Nobody's threatening our lives. They're just asking for the sake of health reasons, which you may believe them or not believe them. 
Uh, that's not really the point. But the point is that what we're experiencing is not persecution. Is there maybe some bias? Yeah, there may be. I think there probably is some bias. Do I like it? No. I want my church to be able to meet together and face-to-face. But the point is, is it's, it's maybe a bit ridiculous. It's maybe handled poorly. Maybe there's some bias, but it's not persecution. And so when churches rise up and make statements, uh, you know, fighting against an invisible enemy, it doesn't really help us that people are forming opinions about the Jesus we serve. And we want to allow them or, or help create an environment where they can form a good opinion about the people and word of God. Anyway, number seven, persecution is even desired as a way of knowing Jesus more intimately. Now, this is a weird one. I don't get this one. I've never felt this way. I know it's in the Bible. I want to get this way someday, but truly right now, I'm not there. I want to get there. Philippians 3.10, Paul writes this, I want to know Christ and to fellowship in his sufferings. That's powerful. That's a depth with Jesus that I don't know about, that I want to know him even to know him in suffering the way he suffered, that's powerful intimacy. That's a powerful desire. And I know that people have gone before us and they've suffered greatly. And we have a great cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12 says. And maybe I'll have to face persecution in a real way like uh, Jesus and the apostles did. But I have to admit, I don't want it. I'm not saying, Jesus, I want to know you even in how you suffered. That's a pursuit that I'm still on. And that's, that's, that is a goal. That is a pursuit that, that the Lord says, you'll be blessed when you suffer that way. You know, there's different persecutions, anger, resentment, maybe loss of friends, maybe negative gloating, denial of, you know, friendships or, you know, things. you know, I've, I've had all those. I've never had physical harm. Never had anybody threaten me. Never had anybody threaten to, you know, hurt me or my family or, damage my property or a church or anything like that. And maybe I never will. But the point is that when we live for Christ, there will be opposition. There will be that resistance. And I want to pray this prayer every day. Father, I want my life to reflect you in every way. Help me to be true to who you are in my thoughts and my behavior. Help me to be strong so I will not back away from resistance because of you in my life. I want to know you in every way, and I'm willing to go through whatever you set before me. I will rejoice at that time because I've been found worthy to suffer for your name. I hope I'm ready for that someday. The day's coming. I feel it. The day is really coming when 